Well, hello. Um, we are What Are They Thinking? I'm Julie Hendren. I'm Rachel Mann. And, and on sound, we have George Nicely. We have the Jorge. He waves hello, but hello. he's being very polite and not talking into his mic. We appreciate it. We do. It was a big discussion piece for us. How much are you talking, George? <laughs> <laughs> um, we are sitting here in Rachel and George's, what, dining room? Living room? Second living room. Extra room? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a room. Unfinished room room? It's now the podcast room. That's, it is now the podcast room. Because uh, we're never moving all of the sound equipment. It's staying here forever. <laughs> Correction, George is never moving all of the sound <laughs> equipment. I'm not touching any of it. Yeah, we're very grateful George was working on sound because uh, we would not be listening to ourselves right now. I would have no idea what to do. Oh, no. Um, but so we're sitting in their extra room room podcast room on a really cold Tennessee day. For us, it's it's freezing. It's like 24 degrees. 24 degrees American. American. Yes. Important. It is important. But we uh, are starting our new year with a new podcast. So, yeah. What are we here for, Rachel? Um, so, basically, Julie and I had a conversation, I want to say about a month or two ago. Um, backstory, I just graduated back in July with my master's in mental health counseling. And Julie, what do you have? Um, I do not have anything in mental health. I have a business degree, marketing management and administration and I just have a bachelor's <laughs> but like you use a lot of psychology in what you do though do a lot of psychology with marketing just guys anytime you see a marketing know that they're using your thoughts against you they are who is they they the corporate they that is overrunning <laughs> the country <laughs> that's your helping so uh -huh. there you go okay you pay me well <laughs> <laughs> so we had this discussion um both of us were kind of have some history with mental health. Of course, with me, I actually work um, as a counselor. I am, like I said, I graduated back in July with my master's and I'm currently working towards um, licensure to have be a licensed professional counselor. So um, I cannot bill insurance yet. So please don't ask me questions. <laughs> because or I guess you can ask me questions. I just can't charge you. But so. I'd have to charge. But I'd have so. to charge. Yeah. Actually, I think that was going to be a shirt anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just talking about mental health and the different things that go along with psychology that a lot of people don't really think about or that they're not very educated on. So we wanted to talk about that. Um, also... I am really big into advocating and educating people on mental health and the destigmatization of mental health. Absolutely. Yes. Um, before, well, I guess while I was in grad school, I worked at a mental hospital in the area. And it really did teach me a lot because there's only so much you can learn from books. And then you actually see people who have mm -hmm. these presenting problems and have the different disorders. And it's very interesting to kind of watch and see, you know, this is what they deal with. And then different people with the same mental um, diagnosis can also have different problems and things that kind of happen. So I think mostly we wanted to educate others, educate ourselves along yeah. uh, the journey. It's such a stigma within our culture, especially the United States culture, um, Western world culture, that you just don't talk about the fact that you're struggling. Um, and I know 2017 for both of us was kind of a rough year in terms of mental health at some points. Yes. Um, 
So, and Rachel and I have been best friends for what, five years now? I would, yeah, I would say about five, maybe even, well, I guess five because my parents' divorce brought us way closer. <laughs> and that was in 2013. But I mean, we've known each other since what, 2011? 2011, yeah. It's... We hated each other at first. We did. We did. It was quite in interesting. In true friendship fashion. <laughs> <laughs> we hated each other and then we learned to bond over our hatred of others. So, oh, we're so petty. <laughs> it's not petty if it works. It did work. It worked so well for us. So now we're here together. But we were really leaned on each other in 2017 and um, learned from each other. And so we have been very honest, very have had very honest and open discussions this year that um, have led into honest discussions with other people in our lives who have said, I know for me personally, someone told me like, I went to counseling this year because you're just so upfront and honest. And it was such a heartwarming experience. And I would love to just be able to talk to people and destigmatize things so that people are getting the help they need. And then I would say, so I did from January until the end of July, I was in my last um, two semesters of grad school, which anybody who's been in grad school knows you have multiple mental breakdowns. Like it just happens. It's inevitable. If you're not having that, then you're not doing grad school correctly. So between working full-time and then going to school full-time and then doing internship, which is where you work a second job for no money, so you gain experience. Um, experience. Experience. That's what we're calling it. In quotes, experience. In quotes. That's what they Free call it. labor. Yeah, that's what they call it so that they don't have to charge you. <laughs> I can teach you, and I don't have to charge. So it was just, it was just really hard. So I was talking to some other people in my program because I started going back to counseling And, um, there's kind of, even within the mental health field, there's still kind of this sense of shame and doubt on yourself as a counselor, if Mm -hmm. you have to go into therapy. So it's very interesting to have that conversation with some people in my program. And it's like, oh yeah, I had to go back to counseling because my anxiety has been really bad or I'm just super stressed because dear God, I have to do so much. There's not enough hours in the day. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was just really nice to be able to be open to other people who understood. But then I realized not everybody has that. Yeah. Not everyone has a Rachel. Or a Julie. To just kind of call when we're having our breakdowns. And we can be those people for you. (laughs) (laughs) But we're not giving out our phone number. No. But no, we, we both did that a lot this year. I started counseling for the first time since I was... 12 or 13 and I'm 25 about to be 26 now so it'd been a good long time for me um and I think I had gotten to the point where I thought that my anxiety was what everybody was feeling everybody is like this all the time (laughs) um and then just to be really overwhelmed by all of it and being honest of I need some assistance I need someone to help me walk through this part of my life has been really freeing right and I think everybody's mental health journey is just so different well like let's be honest everybody's mental health journey is so different Mm -hmm. so for some people they've been dealing with issues from childhood or even adolescence and then you get people who just kind of get that in their 20s or 30s or even later than that so it's just kind of I think interesting to see how everyone deals with it especially in the different parts of your life because there's different stressors Mm -hmm. and things that kind of trigger that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just everybody, you can have the same diagnosis and have a different experience with that as well. Exactly. So we'll be having a lot of conversations just about 
that I think one of the most interesting for us is going to be our, our ones on anxiety and on depression. Cause both of us have that, both of us have anxiety, both of us right. have depression, but it's so different even between the two of us, like right. what triggers our, our little things and how we react to it mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. I mean, I know that we have called each other and just been like, Hey, come over. I'm having this moment, (laughs) (laughs) which has been um, so great to have with someone. But we're going to really explore all of that in this podcast. We're going to explore things that we don't necessarily have any experience in, but we're going to do research on um, and find out more and more. We'll do some lighthearted, fun ones. Um, I think at one point we really want to explore the psychology of one of our favorite characters in literature. Um, So hang on for that one. Um, also we're going to be pulling some, uh, guests and they're, like we said, we don't know everything. I am completely willing to admit that. So on topics that we're not too sure on, or we don't want to misrepresent a population, we'll pull somebody who does understand and Mm -hmm. who's actually been there. And we actually already have some people who were willing to show up on the podcast already. So good for us on that <laughs> got some people already interested some buy-in look at us we're already doing pre-work i mean this pre-work. is a big deal <laughs> yes it is oh my goodness but we'll, we'll have some fun with it and then um i'm sure we'll make some mistakes along the way um we're gonna be setting up a twitter page and a facebook page as we go along for this podcast feel free to reach out for us if we make some mistakes or you think we did something a little wrong um or if you want to praise us i mean i'm always you know willing to take that and i will definitely be making mistakes on the audio for sure because i'm definitely not a professional it's just a hobby so it will get better in time i promise let, yeah, let us know if there's uh, any blaring issues. Yes. Also, that is George. He did not introduce himself, but we figured you would kind of pick up on the fact that that is our sound guy. It's the random guy who just jumped through the window. Yeah. It's like, I'm taking over. <laughs> Take Move <it> aside. Over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just let us know if we're making any mistakes. That's not our intent ever, and we don't want to misrepresent, like we've said. So be nice to us, though, because... We have fragile little egos. <laughs> Speaking of anxiety and depression, um, we're really hoping we don't screw this up. But at the same time, um, Julie and I will be doing some research on some things. Mm-hmm. I'll be pulling in some case studies from, um, like I said, I worked at a mental hospital. Or let me rephrase that. I worked at a mental health hospital. And so I'll be pulling some things from that as well as I currently work in um, – a school system working with um, elementary kids. So, so Rachel's actually like saving the world one person at a time and I'm selling like fortune 500 companies <laughs> products. <laughs> I'm just slowly growing their money. So sorry guys. This is why I'm doing this for free in my spare time. <laughs> and I work in mental health. So I have no money. So there's that. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're going to be poor forever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> That's why we're in the extra room room. The undecided room. room. You couldn't afford to make the room an actual room. (laughs) No, we couldn't. But hey, it's there. At least we can heat it. That's true. Yes, we're heating it. Yeah, Rachel keeps swearing that it's snowing, but... uh... Okay, no. First of all, there were little flakes, and Mm -hmm. then they hit on the deck, and it took them a good 20 seconds to, like... Oh, did it? To thaw out, which for the South is considered snow. Yeah. Oh, all right. We're going to lead you through our first episode, guys. Um, Our first one, we kind of wanted to 
give you a broad overview of something we're going to go into smaller subsets of as we progress throughout the show in the series. Um, so the idea behind this one is, what is a fetish? Um, there are a lot of little things within the fetish line. You've heard, you hear really big ones like foot fetishes, BDSM, latex, things like that. Um, we want to give you a very broad overview, um, what it is, how it's different, when it becomes an issue and you know, what's normal. Of course, normal is relative. So we're using air quotes that you can't see right now for normal <laughs> quote um, unquote. Just know that we're making those for you. Um, on a personal note, family, if you're listening, now is a great time to turn this off. <laughs> Please. I'm just imagining my grandfather listening to this and dying a little inside. Granddad, come back for the next one when we're not talking about fetishes. Or you can stick around and listen to it and just make really awkward eye contact at the next family gathering. Oh, golly. Oh, golly. Yeah. Yeah, to, to any family that's listening to this... Let's just all agree to not talk about anything that any of us say on this podcast. So there's my two cents. No more family. Okay. <laughs> all right, Rachel, as the person who actually has a degree in uh, mental health, you want to lead us, start us off on what, what is a fetish? So well, you actually did the research on it. So I think that you should talk about that and I'll just kind of jump in as I see fit. Okay. <laughs> because you looked that up. Uh, I do a lot of the research. I just assume that everyone's read the paperwork. No. You got the paperwork, Kazowski. I did enough reading in uh, grad school. Okay. Yeah, I'm still taking a mental break from all of that. <laughs> I'm never reading again, <laughs> I'm actually, never reading again. Except on the beach. Oh my gosh, that was nice. Rachel gave me the next one in that book series. I'm talking to this podcast right now. Like, everybody knows what book series I'm talking oh, about. Oh, guys, we will talk about this um, <laughs> later. It was a really good book. We'll edit this part out. <laughs> Are we? Are We're already we really? giving George work. No. Just go ahead and mention the book, and then we'll go into more depth later. Oh, actually, we could kind of talk about it. So it's the Fever series by Karen Moaning. I think that's how you say her last name. Is her last name really Moaning? I don't That's know. So it's appropriate. <laughs> it's, it, okay, so I think it's spelled M-O-N-I-N-G. Mm -hmm. So I've been calling it moaning. But, but it's like a supernatural paranormal romance series. But this girl's like also kind of kicking ass and taking names. And I'm in the third book and I'm still waiting for her and the male lead to hook up and it has yet to happen. And it's driving me insane. Really? I, I've got the second one, but I've not cracked it open yet. You need to crack it open. Although not really because I'm not done with the third. So wait till I'm done with the third to finish the second and then... To start the second? Yeah. To even begin? It's a great series. All right. Well, fetish comes from the Portuguese word ferico. I've probably butchered that. Um, <laughs> it means obsessive fascination. And it was actually originally used to describe... Um, the interactions between European and African settlers, um, or European settlers, the Africans have been there for a while, but uh, it is an object believed to have supernatural powers, or in particular, a human-made object that has the power over others. So the first idea of fetish isn't even a sexual one, but it's easy to see how that rolls into becoming sexual fetishism. The idea that this has power over somebody and um, we can change man-made object, object to man-made fascination. Um, there's nothing inherently sexual about feet or inherently sexual about latex, um, but 
you'll see throughout this podcast, there are ways to make it that way. Okay, I just had a thought. So how horrible would it be if you had a latex allergy, but you had a latex fetish? Oh, gosh. Like, how bad would that be? You would just have to, like, take a lot of Benadryl beforehand. (laughs) But then you'd fall asleep in the middle of it. (laughs) Wake up and hide. Okay, so now here's my first shout out. So if anybody listening to this has a latex allergy and a latex fetish please contact us. How does that work? Let us know. Yeah, please. I'm kind of curious about this now. We're really curious. I'm really afraid to Google it. Actually, I am going to Google it. You're going to Google I'm going to Google it right now. Add that to the list of things to Google. Oh, no, it's going down right now. Oh, my goodness. Um, We first see the word fetish used in reference to sex in the late 1800s, and we're giving credit for that to Alfred Beignet. Beignet. I think he's French, and it's B-I-N-E-T. So I'm calling him Beignet, like the donut. Ooh. Ooh. Now we're going to have to get donuts. Um, credit is given to Alfred Beignet. He coined the term erotic fetishism. He's actually most well known for creating the first practical IQ test, the Beignet-Simon test. Oh, I know about him from that. I would hope you would. Yeah, you know, degrees. Go you on. You know, you got to have some fun in your spare time. Like, I'll make this IQ test. I'll do the boring thing, get known for that. But I'm also fascinated by sexual fetishism. you got to have some fun on the side. Uh, I guess you do. So the whole idea, erotic fetishism is assigned to someone who has sexual interest in non-human objects or non-genital body parts to the point of a fixation. This is different than a kink. And there's a lot of ways we see this in that uh, kinks are a way to have a little more fun in your in your sex life. So kinks are things that everybody has. I would say everybody has a kink, something that's not considered vanilla or traditional. Um, but those things that make sex a little more fun are different than a fetish where I need this to occur in order to get aroused or to find sexual gratification. Yeah. So... When it becomes a problem, (laughs) when it becomes a problem is when it starts interfering with your everyday life. Yes. So just like um, any kind of diagnosis that you would get for mental health, as long as it is not impeding your ability to live a quote unquote fulfilling life, then it's not a problem. But as soon as it gets in the way of you being able to hold down a job, keep a relationship, Um, if it messes with your finances, anything like that, then it starts to get to the point where it's an issue and they, um, you can get a diagnosis and you can also, um, have some real issues with this. So there's that. Um, did you want me to go into the ICD-10 codes? Well, I would think you'll see the term paraphilias thrown around. If you look more into this, the American Psychiatric Association and the DSM, Um, It does draw that specifically into distinction, Um, and it's kind of the official term for having a fetish. Um, So if you've ever been diagnosed with that, or you're looking this up later on your own and digging more into it, um, just know that paraphilias is kind of the DSM word. Yes. So, um... I was looking at the ICD-10 codes, which for those of you who don't know, that is how insurance bills. So fun fact, if you go to a counselor because you were having 
any kind of, or really any kind of medical professional to where they take your insurance and they're specifically seeing you for a fetish, it is now on your medical record and on your insurance. So if you do not want that, then go somewhere and pay cash and don't use your insurance because then they don't have to, I think they don't technically have to give you a diagnosis then because diagnoses are used a lot for insurance. You would know a lot better than me. Well, I don't do insurance yet. That's uh, why I'm working on it. Oh, George is happy. His headphones are working. He just gave us the thumbs up. He gave us two thumbs up. We two have thumbs up. Working noise canceling headphones. I thought he was about to add in on the insurance conversation, but instead it was about some headphones. We were all ready to be surprised by that too. Like, yeah, what like, do you know about is, insurance? This is some surprising uh, information. I did not see that coming. It's Either. the small wins that, sm that make you happy. It's the small everyday wins. It is the little things. things. Is that what we tell ourselves every day? Yes. That's how I get up in the morning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what keeps me going to work every day. The little victories. Like a paycheck. That's actually a big yeah, victory. That one's pretty important. That but... we both benefit from. Yep. Anyhow. Anyhow. All right. <laughs> so, okay, he's doing jazz hands in the background. He's, he's like so excited. Dancing. Yeah, if we sound distracted. <laughs> it's because we are. Oh, easily. Very easily. I actually take meds for that. So... So anyway, um, looking at the ICD-10 codes for it, there's so, if you are ever interested or bored or any of the above, go online and look up ICD-10 codes. You can go to icd10data.com and it has the most interesting things on there. So one of them is the, you can just type in ICD-10 fetishisms and it shows them up. So there are different ones under here such as our most commonly known ones such as necrophilia, nymphomania, pedophilia, sadism. Guys if you're being treated for pedophilia you maybe want to pay cash. You maybe don't want that on your insurance records. But if you are um, I applaud you for going to seek help because good lord please go see help. <laughs> yes please seek help for that. Um it's, it's a lot better to seek help for that than uh, just let it sit there and fester. So, yeah, there's all these different ones. It's really interesting to read through some of them. Um, one of them, let's see. Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to click on this random one. No, I actually already know what machoism is. So we're going to look at the different Pain. one. Pain. Um, is that what it is? Let's look at that. Am I right? A disorder characterized by reoccurrent sexual urges, fantasies, or behaviors involving the act, real, not stimulated, of being humiliated, oh. beaten, bound, and otherwise made to suffer. Wow. Well, I was close with pain. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some pain in this. Um, yeah. So that's machoism. Sexual machoism, I'm sorry. Uh, let's, let's see what some of these others are. Um... We're going to dig into quite a few of these in their own separate episodes. Why is teeth under this? Oh, I have a problem with the teeth thing. Okay, so backstory on that. As George was getting the sound stuff set up, I was trying to find on Netflix, like, what are some TV shows that talk about fetishism, like fetishes and like some other interesting things. And then, of course, the movie Teeth pops up. And for Ugh. those of you who do not know... It's a movie about this girl who was like assaulted, was sexually assaulted, mm -hmm. and in the middle of the sexual assault, she found out that her vagina grew teeth. Ugh. So, 
just, as, as terrifying as that sounds, it's a great defense mechanism because no guy likes for his dick to get bit. So there's that. There is that. I, ugh. I just, I think my whole family has an issue with teeth. Oh, wait, no, this isn't a fetish. It was just underneath that code for some reason. Well, that's weird. Okay, so there's all these different ones. If you're bored, just look them up. Um, preferably not on a company computer. Yeah, Rachel. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was doing that at my house on my own Wi-Fi, and then I realized, oh, dear my God. Own on like, my own Wi-Fi. On my own Wi-Fi. that's going to protect you. Well, then I was thinking about it halfway through, and I'm like, oh, dear God. This is a work computer. HR is going to see that I'm looking up weird sex fetish TV shows. And so I cleared out my browser history, and then I realized they're still going to be able to see that, and it even looks more suspicious. Yep. So if any of my higher-ups are listening to this, I am not looking at anything weird. I'm just trying to reference people to something weird. <laughs> I'm helping others. I'm helping others. Leap. I am just being a really great person. I'm trying to find resources for everybody to learn a little bit more about this to make it not such a taboo topic. Yeah, I mean, be just because you have a fetish does not mean that it is an in, uh, an inappropriate fetish. Right. It's not necessarily, you know, pedophilia. Um, and just because you have a fetish doesn't mean it's interfering with your life. It becomes something that you need to treat and can push to insurance through a psychiatrist or a psychologist when it does interfere with your life. Or a counselor. Or a counselor. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> and that's that's every mental health issue you may run into is right. it's not an issue until it interferes with your life. Um, something else I would just like to say is that as long as you were not harming yourself or others um, or animals, then there's not much judgment over here on that. Um, I mean, I guess if you're hurting others and they're into it, then like, I'm still not going to judge machoist. you. On <laughs> machoist. Yes. I'm not going to judge you on that. Is it Machoism? Ma machoism? Mach Let's ask let's somebody else. It's a masochist. It's a masochist. Oh my God. <laughs> I have heard that. So wait, you just now waited after we've been talking about this for five minutes to correct us on its pronunciation. I wanted to see what you were going to come up with. So <laughs> I, wanted, I waited. What a get there jerk. On your own. <laughs> so George is a, what do you call it? A sadist. It's not a sadist. Well, he might be a sadist. And he's laughing. Oh my goodness. Wait, so, what is sorry. it? What is it called? It's a masochist. 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 That sounds like a breast term. You're thinking of a mammogram? No, I think mastitis. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know at this point. Dear God. What is happening? <laughs> so anybody who's been screaming in their car as like, they mispronounce things? <laughs> these girls are so dumb. We're so sorry. First of yeah, all. I'm sorry I didn't say something sooner. I, I knew what you were talking about, but, you know, I was told not to talk. So. Well, you're talking a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, turn off your mic. Do our sound stuff. Everyone say goodbye to George. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, George. I know. We sound like we're really mean to him. And we are. But we also love him a lot. I guess. You're the one who's been dating him, so I would hope so. Uh, it's convenience. It's convenient. <laughs> All right. And getting back on topic. Uh-huh. All right. So um, 
I am going to talk to you guys a little bit about the counseling techniques that would be used for this. So if you look in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Statistics Manual, um, it is what most people go to for looking up different criteria for mental health diagnoses. Isn't that like they call it some, the something Bible? It's like the mental health Bible. It's the mental health Bible. Put that yes. in your living room. Yes, it's a... Uh, was one of the best Christmas gifts I think Georgia's family has ever given me. Everybody went in together and bought that for me. You're reading about mental disorders and just crying over the book. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is like the best purchase anybody's ever made towards my education. Well, I bought great. you a book on serial killers for Christmas. So that says a lot about us. <laughs> it really does. So anyway, for people who kind of have a little bit of background information on the DSM-5, it is um, coded as F65. Um, and so the clinical information for that is it's basically considered under paraphilias. So disorders that include recurrent, intense sexual arousing fantasies, sexual urges, or behaviors generally involving non-human objects. Suffering on oneself or partners or children or other non-consenting partners. So that is from the DSM-4, uh, 1994. And then you also have sexual urges, fantasies, or behaviors generally involving themes of suffering, humiliation, sexual activity with non-consenting partners, or an orientation toward non-human objects for sexual arousal. arousal. So I know earlier we were talking about how not everybody who has a fetish... Oh, sorry. I hit the table and George is like, please don't do that. Um, She's really passionate about it. Really passionate about this, people. <laughs> anyway, so one of the things that they were we were talking about earlier is how it's very important for everybody to be consenting and also for it to be legal. And so there's no, like, there's no um, surprise that one of the clinical, di like, Diagnostic criteria? Yeah, diagnostic criteria would be with non-consenting partners. Um, so there's different ones. We talked about them earlier. Um, I think in general, the idea behind this is what we said earlier. It's not a problem unless you're doing something illegal or it's becoming detrimental to you. Like you said earlier, even, you know, if you can't hold a job, if you're losing relationships, that's when it becomes an issue. And just looking right. through all this stuff that was put up on the DSM, um, it, I mean, it even says, you know, when you have some mental anguish or distress, that's when it's an issue. So I think in general, if you're not experiencing mental anguish, it's not interfering with your life and everybody's consenting in what you're doing, then you're living a good life. Right. And I think it just gets to that point to where when it does happen become an issue in your life and like we said and even the dsm-5 says when it becomes non-consensual then there's issues it's also rape so mm -hmm. just making sure that like we said earlier both parties are into it let's get legal. an enthusiastic yes from that <laughs> yes of age party that you're getting yes. funky with of age is um over 18 so there you go um, so one of the things that I was actually talking to Julie about that I found very interesting is that we had kind of a hard time finding articles and I even looked into, um, some research databases on what are some counseling techniques that can be used for this. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I told Julie is that I've had six and a half years of education in psychology, two and a half of them being in, um, counseling. And not once were we really told 
what to do or how to approach a counseling session with somebody who has a sexual, any kind of sexual dysfunction, um, which fetishism kind of falls under. So I just kind of looked at her and I was like, no one really taught me what to do with this. What would I do? Um, and one of the things that you are taught in counseling is if you have no idea, you seek supervision. There's always somebody, no matter where you're working, who has worked there longer, has more experience. And if you have a client, you don't know what to do with them. You always seek supervision. And sometimes you do have to refer them to somebody who has more experience in that particular section. So for me, I would definitely be seeking supervision. Um, and I really do feel like I wish that more programs would go into detail on how would you counsel somebody with a fetish or who has any kind of sexual disorder or dysfunctional disorder. And I um, thought that that'd be really interesting, but there is a specific um, type of counselor or therapist and they're a sex therapist and that's specifically what they focus on. So I would guess that they would be the ones who would have that kind of education and training mm. on what to do with somebody who has a fetish. Yeah. And just from the readings that, like she said, we had a hard time finding in these articles and the ones we did find just told us that most people with a fetish don't seek treatment. Right. Which we realize can skew the data, right? Yes. So it's hard to teach something when people aren't telling you that they have this particular, not problem necessarily, but this particular like, set of, yes. yes, set of circumstances. Um because I think there's a lot of taboo around it in our culture. Right. It makes you not want to come forward, even if it is a problem for you. Um, and it's probably pretty easy to misdiagnose as well. Well, I think especially people are very private and we're taught to be very private about sex and about our sex lives and our relationships with other people. Um, so I think that also kind of falls into it. I do think that there are some things that come about when you are having a fetish if it is interrupting in your life then of course there's going to be other things that are going on along with it so i think sometimes when you go into counseling um and you do have a fetish that a lot of times when you do keep that private eventually it does kind of come out now i do tell people make sure that you feel comfortable with your counselor anytime you are in a counseling session you're the most important person in that room so if you don't feel like you can be open and honest with this person you know i always tell everybody give it about three, four, sometimes even five sessions. If you still don't feel like you're getting something out of it, ask for a different counselor. It does not hurt our feelings. If there's not that connection, if we don't feel like we can truly help you, or if you feel like we're not helping you how we should, just be very open with that communication. Um, and if you still feel like you're not getting it, there's no shame in asking for a different counselor. We're very used to it. Yeah, your counselor therapist should be, they should know everything about you. Like I tell Rachel pretty much everything about my life. There are still things that I will tell my therapist that I haven't told Rachel because it's this person who doesn't, it doesn't care at the end of the day. They do care about you. They just don't care about that thought process to where they'll think you're like a bad person or right. there's not that heaviness of having a relationship, a friendship with them. Right. And then also the nice thing about seeing a counselor is that they'll lose their license and their whole entire job if they tell anybody anything um, outside of this session. So there's also that kind of level of I can tell my counselor anything I need to and not have to worry about it, like any kind of repercussions coming from it, as long as um, you're not planning on hurting anybody or yourself. So essentially what we're saying is the first step in treatment, if you 
feel the need to find treatment for your fetish um, is to find a counselor you like and trust and you can be honest and open with. And they right. are not going to tell anybody anything if they want to keep their jobs. Right. And so that's, you know, one of the nice things about seeing a counselor is that they are, they're ethically bound to keep everything secretive, which is very nice. Um, like I said, there are a few cases where they do have to tell, such as if you're reporting abuse, um, if you state that you're going to harm yourself or others, and um, if the courts get involved. But even with that, I mean, they're not going to tell them everything that is said in session. So treatments for fetishistic disorder, uh, what we were able to find is usually it involves some kind of aversion therapy, um, but it's a low rate of success. So aversion therapy is done by applying negative stimulation, like shocking people as they view the imagery that they have had a positive connotation with, which I personally think it's a horrible idea. It just reminds me of those people who send their children to get straight camp or whatever they're called. And they just oh shock gosh. them as they show images of hom like homosexual images. Just let your kids be gay. Love people for who <laughs> they are. Right. And so I think when they do apply that negative stimulation, it is supposed to change something in your brain to where um, or in your behavior to where you eventually like say it's balloons. You like balloons. Well, if they shock you every time that they pop a balloon, eventually the t when you start to hear the sound of a balloon, it's it's going to have that negative like, oh God, no, no, not this again. Instead of, you know, the usual, oh yeah, it's a balloon. It's I'm like, get it. like, it's like Pavel's dog. Oh, it is like Pavel's Salivates dog. at the sound of a bell. Yeah, this is right, totally. So it's like conditioning. This is, yeah, totally reinforcement therapy. Uh. Right. So, um, I would say. There's, there's so many different ways you could go about counseling with this that I think it's just it's very individualistic based. So what's going to work for one person might not work for another. What works for one fetish might not work for another. So once again, it's just one of those things of trusting who your therapist is and then your therapist trusting in themselves and also getting that supervision that they need or even making sure that you go to a counselor who specifies in fetishism. So... Um, if your counselor does not have that or know that, then the mental health community is a very small community. They can find somebody or they will know of somebody and refer you over to them. Yeah, what we did find in articles like this says that things that are more successful are things like group therapy and right. psychoanalysis. Um, and once again, Rachel's right. It's all just about trusting your therapist, um, going along for the ride trusting that they know what they're doing and then if you're not seeing the results you want or you're not clicking with that person don't be afraid to go to the next one um, I often tell my friends who just start therapy that don't don't expect your first therapist to be the the correct therapist like right. don't give up if that person doesn't click well with you keep going keep finding someone else don't be afraid to jump around and find your person right and I think that's one of the really important things, and that's where a lot of the trust comes from, is especially when you're divulging something so personal as your sex life to a complete and total stranger, you want to make sure that it is somebody that you trust. Um, so definitely finding that counselor, it, sometimes it's not your first or your second or your third counselor that'll do it, but just finding somebody that you trust and that you feel like you have that relationship with and someone that you can just be very honest and open with about everything is is really good 
Yeah, and we we believe in you. We know you can do it. We found I found my therapist online. Psychology Today, right? Counseling Today. Counseling Today. Counselingtoday.com. Yes. And so for those of you who do not know how to go about finding a counselor, um, I do attend on doing a podcast about counseling. However, if you have insurance and you're planning on using insurance, um, just call your insurance care provider and ask them who in your network is um, able to provide your counseling in this general area. And they can give you a list. They can even tell you what your copay is going to be, what all... Um, like services you can get. Like I called mine asking for a counselor, like, okay, well, what is covered by my insurance for psychological help? And they told me what my copay was going to be, who in the area would help me. Also, like if I was going to be covered, if I needed inpatient hospitalization, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so definitely call them. If you're doing just self-pay, which is just paying by cash, then you really don't have to worry about that as much. Just find you somebody that you can trust and just go see them. Yeah. Yeah. And only, guys, we said it like seven million times. This doesn't necessarily require treatment. Just go if you feel like you need to go. Right. Um, this is... Treatment is usually an extreme form of this condition is when you would need to, to seek some help. Right. Yeah, and you see the extreme of this a lot of times um, in people who are things like serial killers. Yes. We're n in no way saying that if you have a fetish, you're a serial killer or a serial no. rapist. That's not what we're getting no. at. Um, a lot of times with fetishes, you see another diagnosis. Right. Um, so extreme versions of this are um, Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer or uh, Jeremy Brutus. The majority of people with fetishes will be male. Um, not shocking, I think. I think we put a lot of pressure um, on boys and men when it comes to sex about what is acceptable and what is not. And, you know, we'll explore where the idea of the fetish stems from. Like, when does it develop? Childhood, adolescence. Um but if anybody's watched Mindhunter, you have probably seen the episode where they're talking to the serial killer who has an obsession with shoes. And that's actually based off of Jerome Brutus. Brutus? I'm trying to think if I watched that episode. Have you seen that episode yet? No. I stopped like when you kind of left me and George in the dust. Well, I wonder why I had to do that. George, who pauses and talks for 45 minutes three times during the episode. Okay. Now, one of those 45 minutes was to talk about the podcast. That was true. But I had to move on. I'm sorry. I had to watch it myself. Don't get yeah, me Yeah, I didn't get to move on. Uh, downsides of being in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was an American, American serial killer. He developed a fetish for women's shoes, which he stated came, started at the age of five. Um, he claims he developed a fetish after playing with a pair of spiked high heels at a local junkyard. And he attempted to steal a pair of shoes from his first, first grade teacher. Ooh. Um, he also had a fetish for women's undergarments and would steal them from neighbors even as a child. Um, he would be in and out of psychiatric hospitals through his teen years. Um, he eventually was also diagnosed with schizophrenia. And when he was not in a psychiatric hospital, he became known in his when he was a teenager for knocking women over and stealing their shoes or just knocking them down and choking them unconscious and then stealing their shoes. Um, and eventually he would murder four women between 1968 and 1969 and attempt to murder two others. Um, one of his victims he would actually cut a foot off of, keep in his freezer, and use it to model high heels. 
Yeah. Rachel's giving me a horrified face. I'm just sitting here like... First of all, how horrible is it for somebody to knock you over? And just take your shoes. And to take your shoes. But then, like, what did they do? What is? What did he do in order for these women to not freak out and kick him? Because he's, like, he's sitting there and he's cutting off your foot. Like. he it, Well, and the, I think one of the most interesting parts, the thing that makes it a fetish in this discussion, is that he got to the point where he would masturbate while wearing high heels after he had bludgeoned and strangled his victims to death. It became his untreated fetish along with the schizophrenia created the perfect storm um, for him to become a murderer. So, okay, this is just me thinking out loud. Um, Part of me is wondering with this guy, if he was stealing women's shoes and wearing them, like, was he smaller? Was he going after bigger women? Because if, if he was going after bigger women to wear their shoes, like, he would have to be bigger. I don't like how was how was he doing? Okay, now this like lets me think I have to go off and do some research about the serial killer because I'm really I want to know how did he get away with stealing their shoes? Um, I think he was just bigger than they were. But then how did he fit in the shoes? He wasn't trying to fit in the shoes. He was just stealing the shoes. But like, what about the shoes? shoes. Wait, was he wearing the shoes and masturbating, or was he just like masturbating on the shoes? He bought his own shoes, just like uh, some some women have such large feet. Or drag queens have to go to special shoe shops where they buy bigger shoes. This was like the late 60s, early 70s. I bet this had to exist. 60s were sexual revolution time. Mm, True. I don't know. I just want to know, like, where did he get these shoes from? And, like, how did he take these women down and steal their shoes? Like, if somebody tried to take my shoes, I'd beat them. No, you wouldn't either. Well, I mean, they're Walmart shoes, so not really. (laughs) Joke's on you, buddy. Joke's on you. These are from Target. Joke's on you. I never wear high heels. (laughs) If I'm wearing high heels, then uh, I'm usually with somebody because someone has to help me walk at the end Somebody has to have to hold on to somebody. (laughs) George, grab my arm. He could probably walk better in high heels than we ever could. Okay, now I feel like this is uh, going to be a test. I'm going to have to try wearing heels more. No, I'm not, because, like, now someone's going to try... I don't know. No, not doing it. I'm going to stick with flats. Here's my plan. Flat shoes. Flat shoes. I can run a lot quicker. Oh, running? Hmm, we're talking too much about Okay, let me, let me rephrase. I will jog, speed walk. I will walk away a lot quicker in flats. I will wear ugly shoes, so you will not want them. All my shoes are ugly. Men don't actually even notice them unless they want to steal them, right? Oh my gosh. So I guess if a guy's like nice pair of shoes, I now feel like I have to be on guard. You're like, what are you trying to take them or something? You trying to take my shoes? Do you, you want my shoes, buddy? You coming after me, bro? Just don't knock me down. You can just have them actually. <laughs> just ask for them politely. I probably <laughs> already need a new pair. You're like, oh, thank you. They're from Walmart. They're, and- from, they're from Walmart. They have a smudge. I haven't cleaned them lately. Oh my goodness. Oh Lord. I do think that, uh, he had better taste in shoes than we did in all likelihood. We say about a guy who strangled and bludgeoned women to death while masturbating over their corpses. But what we're like the most concerned about is, or at least what I'm the most concerned about is, is uh, how did he get the shoes? So knocked him down. I told you. I know, but he like, choked them unconscious. Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense. I forgot about that part of it. I guess if a guy choked me out and then took my shoes, like I really couldn't fight him. No, you no. could not. <laughs> No. Okay. So now I see how he stole the shoes. Sorry. Go on with this. Uh, no. So even after he was arrested and was in prison, he still felt the need to have this, this fetish fulfilled. And he was known to have piles of women's shoe catalogs in his cell. He would write to the companies and ask for them. And I'm just saying, if you're a company and you are sending 
something to uh, an address that says cell number 586, maybe double think that. Maybe be like, mm, you know what? Maybe I don't send this women's shoe magazine to a men's prison. I'm just saying, like, we couldn't even get those into the mental like health hospitals. So I don't even know how they're getting in them into the prisons. Well, he had a lot of them. How do you? I, you know what? This was this was the this was a long long time ago. I wonder if he had visitors, like people. Ew, who would want to visit? Like, oh, I'm gonna go visit my well, brother. He was married. He was married. He was married. Yeah, he would want his wife to walk around naked in their house with just high heels on. Okay, now see, that's not weird. Yeah, so it's there's it's fairly common for it's another fetish, so it kind of fits. But there are people who are attracted to serial killers, and it's very strange. So, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Well, there is also this show um, plugging. I'm trying to think of who it, which network it was on. Um, it's who the bleep did I marry? And my mom and I watched that. Um, right after her, my dad divorced because it made her feel better about her life. But basically, <laughs> at least I didn't marry a serial. At killer. least I didn't marry a serial killer or like a child rapist or something like that. So I'm just sitting here thinking, like, did you marry him knowing that he stole shoes and like that's how he got off? Like, were you okay with this or was it just one of those things where you're like, oh shit, my husband just got arrested for this? Well, I think they, I think they had gotten a divorce before. He got arrested. I know they had kids together. Guys, oh, honestly, Imagine this, is, now. this is not a in-detail murder podcast. You're going to have to go somewhere else for that. Like um, my favorite murder. Yeah, that's one of our personal favorites. We are not afraid to plug them. No, we are not. Um, and last podcast on the left does a couple good ones as well on uh, different killers. But... I totally lost my spot. That's okay. What was I saying, Rachel? You were saying about how... George, what was she saying? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Okay, basically she was saying about how he had kids. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy had kids. Oh, like, yeah, imagine so... that going to the PTA. <laughs> you know you they changed their last name. You oh, you would have to. change their last name. I would just move towns, too. But that's, that's an extreme example of a fetish unfortunately a lot of the times when we hear about fetish we're hearing about people who do things like that who yeah. tie their fetish in with a violent mental disorder or a mental disorder that they have presented with violence um and that's the the ones that our society knows about and i think that's why it's so taboo when in reality um there's quite a few people who have fetish who have a fetish and they Live very good lives. They live good lives. They don't hurt other people. They find someone else who likes to get their freak on the same way, and it works for them. Yeah, and I, when researching all this, saw that there are plenty of famous people who are movie stars and pop singers, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get in trouble with anybody. <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, <laughs> we don't have a good lawyer yet. If you would like to money. represent us um, for free, like pro bono, um, please contact us. <laughs> if you want money, um, we can't help you. You're barking up the wrong tree. Barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> Don't I, <sue> us. <laughs> I start paying my back on my student loans um, in January, so I'll be even more broke. We're like, joke's on you. We'll help you look for the money in the couch. <laughs> if you can find money, I'll share half of it with you. We'll go splitsies. Yes, uh -huh. on that 50 cents. Um, but there are plenty of people in our society who have sexual fetishes who are not hindering society at all. They right. are finding somebody who enjoys that with them and displaying it in an appropriate setting and 
are finding enjoyment out of that, but it's not what they're leaning on as a crutch in their life. Right. And I think like with the whole entire fetish thing, I think it falls in with any kind of sexual relationship that you have, as long as both parties are willing and it's not harming anybody else mm-hmm. um, or anything else, then, I mean, go for it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you not to get your freak on however you want to. I mean, as long as, like I said, if both parties are willing, mm-hmm. um, no one's getting hurt, then, like, go for it. Yeah, I agree. Do uh, do you. Yeah, you, you do, do you. you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely something we want to say like there's no shame in having a fetish or having a sexual kink or anything like that like as long as it's safe sane and consensual right yeah safe sane and consensual and by sane what do we mean we mean that both parties are of age and are willingly consenting and by willing to consent we mean please dear god like not affected by drugs please don't drug somebody and then steal their shoes and say that it was a consensual fetish while they were just sitting on the bus while they were trying to go home (laughs) Now I think we're just, like starting to scare people away from wearing nice shoes on a bus. You shouldn't wear nice shoes on a bus. No, wear some flip flops. Yeah, but not Gucci flip flops. No, who has time for Gucci flip flops? Uh, There's somebody right now driving down the highway. Like I'm wearing my Gucci flip flops right now. These women only shop at Walmart. <laughs> get your Old Navy one dollar flip flops and get on your nearest bus. We're big fans of Target here. Target yes, and Walmart. We are. Target, Walmart, and Old Navy. Oh yeah. Ooh, and like recently Amazon. Well, you know, it's that time of the year where Amazon owns Christmas. It does own Christmas and my wallet. And my wallet. How many Amazon gift cards did you, did you get this year? I got no Amazon gift cards, but my grandma gave me a $100 like Visa gift card mm-hmm. and I spent it all. You already did? Um. Well, okay. So I have like $18 left, but I spent it all on Korean skincare products because... We will talk more about Korean skincare I'm on day two of my new regimen, and I already feel a huge difference in my face, but we're not plugging that right now, so we're going to move on. (laughs) (laughs) I hear about it from a lot of people lately. It's it's just that good. So, uh, you learn anything new? Um, so I guess I kind of learned that, um, there are, like, kind of what some of the different fetishes are. Did we, do we want to kind of talk about... I guess, like, when I was looking and doing some research on TV shows, unfortunately, on my work computer, and then I switched over to my phone, there's actually quite a few um, on Netflix and on TV. TLC is not just, you know, wedding shows. Home of our favorite trash television. Home of our favorite trash television. Dear Lord. Like, there's some good, wholesome, trashy TV on that channel. We are addicted to TLC. Yeah. Sorry, TLC, but it's, it's yeah. It's they didn't trash. want to be dragged into this. They're like, they, stop saying our name as you talk about fetishes. Name. No, but they had some TV shows on there. They actually had one. It was called Strange Sex. So this is their own fault. TLC, you did have this coming. So you, first of all, you named the show Strange Sex, meaning I can say that you had the show called Strange Sex and I can talk about it. Mm-hmm. So if you're kind of wanting to look into any of that stuff, you can watch it. I think I watched a couple episodes of it. There are some things such as I think are called... Lunars or ballooners, basically people get sexual gratification from popping balloons. Um, and then there were some who like to dress up as babies and they pretend to be babies. That's like age play, right? I think that like I think that kind of falls into age play. Mm-hmm. Um and so like that was kind of interesting. Some guys who like to get squished by um very plus sized women. 
Um, and then there's like also the feeding fetishes where you have someone who's a feeder, which is, and then you have someone who is eating all the food Mm -hmm. and they just like to, like, it's part of what gives them sexual gratification is feeding people. Well, as long as, uh, everybody's, uh, happy there. Everybody was on board with that, which is interesting. It was... What I think was so interesting about watching that show was actually seeing everybody have a different, like, sexual, like, I mean, just having a fetish and then seeing how two consenting people could go into that fetish and how it worked for them and how, like, it kind of mm-hmm. worked for their lifestyle, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because I don't want to dress up like a baby. Like, that does not, that creeps me it's out. It's not my cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea. But you know what? It worked for the two of them and they're happy. And you know what? If it works for the two of them, then there you go. That's enough. I don't need to understand it or try and justify it for them. That's up to them. They have it. It's consensual. It's sane. And it's safe. There you go. Were those that's three? our criteria. That's yeah. our criteria. Safe, sane, consensual. Safe, sane, and consensual. <laughs> yeah, you guys aren't allowed to have a fetish unless we've approved it. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I learned more just about the diagnostic criteria behind it and how it is different from having a kink. A lot of times I think that those things are interchangeable in discussion when you don't know the difference or when you're not educated on the subject. Because I know I've done it in the past. You're like, it's his fetish. It's his kink. No, they're different things. They are different things. They are different things. Um, So that was interesting to learn and a little... uh, fascinating to learn just how dependent people can be on it yeah and like how it's it's like with anything in moderation it's good however once it takes takes over your life um it's been an issue yeah time to seek a little help no shame to need a little help no shame in that at all that's why counselors went to school is for you guys to you know pay us to fix your problems that's why rachel is here yeah Pay me to help you with your problems. <laughs> I can't fix them, but I can help you want to fix them. Yeah, I mean, there's never going to be a you're done now, this is no. fixed, it's never going to bother you again situation. Right. Um, but we can we can cognitively behavioral therapy that. Some CBT. Some CBT. Big fan of that. Yeah. And then also, um, there's just things to remember is that sometimes it's... A fetish comes up because it's something that's happened in someone's past. So that also kind of gets brought up in therapy as to, you know, what what made this happen? How can we, you know, if it is impeding your life, what can we do? What makes you unhappy with this? What makes you happy with it? And just find little different things to kind of help people out with. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll be doing further episodes into specific fetishes now that we've kind of just given you a broad overview a we're very gonna, broad overview. very broad um we're using the funnel technique where we funnel. start broad and narrow our way down slowly down it's um, very slowly down so um let me see george has been so kindly working on a email or a gmail account for all of us um questions issues things you want to let us know comments anything like that those would Um, be called comments (laughs) oh my (laughs) comments concerns comments you know comments comments, applause concerns anyway um so our gmail account is what are they thinking podcast at gmail.com spelled like it sounds guys yeah spelled like that 
That's the and name of the podcast. Name of the podcast. We should be getting a Twitter and a Facebook page up here soon. Yeah, but we'll be working on that. We'll be working on that. I have to actually learn how to use the Twitter. Um, I'm yeah, the worst I'm millennial. Yeah, not Twitter either. Okay, awesome. So you also don't know how to use it. I just, in general, don't think people really care what I'm doing every minute of the day. But you will care what this podcast is doing every minute of the day as we figure out the right recipe for that. And I think George, our tech guy, is wanting to say something. Yeah, so we'll try to get all of this put together before we release the podcast so it all comes out relatively close to the same time. And we really hope you all enjoy it. And hopefully we don't suck too terribly bad. I mean, so I was telling Julie and George before we started up our, our podcast or our, our, before we started up on our podcast that like in grad school, part of um, doing your master's in counseling is that you have to do recordings of your sessions and then sometimes your video recorded. And how awkward it is at first, but after a while, you just kind of get used to it. So that's what this podcast is going to be. Awkward at first, and then <laughs> we will all get used to As it. As you get used to us. As you get used to us. We Hopefully, will. anyone that's listening to this has also listened to other podcasts and has listened to their early episodes, and will give us some, you know... Give us a few episodes. Care. Please like us. No, I'm just kidding. And um, that's part of the anxiety coming out of like, oh, please, dear God, don't tell me I did this and now I'm a failure. <laughs> so please do not send me an email saying I'm a failure. If you do, it better be like a smiley face after it and like some cash or something. And some cash and a link to your PayPal. A link to your PayPal. You can only tell me I'm terrible if you also send $50. <laughs> Story yeah, of my life. We'll be setting up a GoFundMe for this podcast. <laughs> no, we're totally really. kidding. No, we're totally not kidding. Really. We're totally we're, kidding. Uh, we're all doing this out of the goodness of our hearts and because it's something that's important to us so we hope you all enjoy it and that's that so i'll shut up now <laughs> thank you george um yeah so along with our tech person george binger tech guy he's also getting all of our social media stuff kind of put together he's our secretary oh follow us on twitter at wtr they thinking we're on Facebook at What Are They Thinking Podcast, and our email is What Are They Thinking Podcast at gmail.com. And on our next episode, we are going to be discussing mental health stigma resolutions for 2018. Yay. Exciting. Yes. Um, make sure to rate and subscribe on iTunes. That way you're automatically getting the podcast when it comes out. You don't even have to think about it. And make sure to put up some good reviews if you enjoyed this. It helps other people find us. Um, if you didn't enjoy this, just let us know personally. Maybe don't give us terrible reviews to start with. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. Until next time, take care of yourself. And don't be an asshole. Bye. Bye. Bye.